0: My favorite TV show of all time is Friends. I can answer almost any trivia question you throw at me about that show. Name something happening in your life and I can probably find a scene or a clip from Friends that fits your situation. I've watched every episode, more times than I can even count. Ross, Rachel, Monica, Chandler, Joey, Phoebe. There are six fictional characters that have forever shaped our modern expectation of what a friend group should be like. It's where the term Friendsgiving came from. The idea that yes, maybe you have a Thanksgiving dinner with your family, your blood relatives, but you can also set aside time to celebrate with your friends, your chosen family. Most of the 10 seasons, the characters are all single living in New York city, leaning on one another for support. However, as the show goes on, they begin dating, get married, and toward the end of the show, start having kids. And I often wonder what would the show be like once Monica and Chandler moved to the suburbs to raise their kids in this big house with the big yard? Would the six friends stay close? I mean, surely they wouldn't be sitting around Central Park drinking coffee all day anymore. Life, changes. Relationships change. In my experience, friendships are a lot harder when stages of life begin to shift or when geography gets in the way. Someone moves or gets married, has kids or gets a divorce. Life changes and friendships shift with your season of life. And sometimes these relationships can get a lot more complicated. As time goes on, many people seem to live according to a hierarchy of relationships with romantic partners and parents and children ranking toward the top and friendships way down at the bottom. As we age, there are different demands on our time. The bonding that often took place in school is replaced with the workplace. Yet the level of trust among professional colleagues is often quite different from that of classmates. Despite friendships becoming more complicated as we grow older, research shows time and time again that the benefits of having close friendships are tremendous for our health, both physical and mental, as we age. Often when we need others the most in life is when we find ourselves recoiling, isolating, pushing others away. If a firm foundation of friendship is not built first, we reach a struggle in our life like a failing marriage or the declining health of a parent, or our own health struggles, and we find ourselves keeping friends at a distance and just doubling down on making it through on our own. I mean, it makes sense. Friendships are hard. They require work. And if all your time and energy is going into this other thing, like surviving your own struggles, it can be hard to keep up with friendships. But what if? What if instead of backing away when things got tough, we actually learned to lean in and let others love us? What if we learned to accept the love of others with open arms? How do we do that? How do we build a firm foundation of friendship with others so that when things do get rough, it's just a given that we stay and get through it together? We are not meant to do life alone. We were created by God to live in close-knit Christian community with others. Our passage today and next week comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is who we are called to be, people who hold tight to the hope of Jesus Christ and his promises and live it out in community with others, spurring each other on to be more loving and actively doing good deeds. We're called to continue meeting together, whether that be in person, or through the gift of technology via Zoom, and to encourage each other. So how do we build the kind of foundational trust that leads to really knowing one another deeply, to knowing each other well enough that you just know the best ways to encourage and challenge the other person? I've been friends with my girl, Jackie, for over 20 years now. We first met working together at a Methodist summer camp in my home state of Kentucky. We then went on to be college roommates and deeply involved with campus ministry together and our friendship just kept growing and growing. The foundation of our relationship was built on our shared Christian faith. And across the years and miles after college, as we grew and changed, so did our friendship. Even when she and her husband spent a few years in Poland, we found a way to Skype long before Zoom was a thing. So I know her and she knows me. There is nothing better than a reciprocal relationship where you're able to be known and to be seen, not only as you are, but as who you dream of becoming. Earlier this week, Jackie's mom passed away and my heart broke for her. I just wanted to climb through the phone back to Kentucky to be with her. But with COVID and my own kids' schedules, I just knew it just wasn't gonna work this time. I was there for her brother's funeral and her dad's, but this time I wasn't going to be able to be there in person. And that night, Jackie posted on Facebook asking her local friends in in the city she lives in if anyone had any suggestions for a late night drive-through option for a chocolate dessert because she needed comfort food. Now, I know Jackie, and I know what she really wanted, but was too afraid to ask because she didn't want to appear needy She didn't really want suggestions of drive-through options. She wanted somebody to show up to bring a chocolate dessert to her home. I watched comment after comment of, what if you went to this place or that place? All of which happened to be closed early that night due to COVID or for whatever reason. And I cringed. I just wanted to scream, somebody better take my girl some chocolate cake. If I lived there, I would be at her house in a heartbeat. But before I could turn into a nasty Facebook troll, one of her church friends commented that a bunk cake was on the way to her house. Her community stepped up like they always do. And I knew my girl was loved and cared for in a way I couldn't do because of geography. We need people in our lives that will just show up like her church friends did for her. People who know us well enough to know she says she wants a drive-through, but today her mom passed away. She no longer has a living parent. She deserves chocolate comfort food on her doorstep. That's extravagant Jesus-like radical love, the kind of friendship we long for, and guess what? We deserve that. In order to get it, the foundation of trust and understanding of one another's needs has to first be built. A great place to do that is through a connect group. A connect group is a small group of four to 12 people that do life together. They meet weekly, pray together, and encourage each other. Sure, you study something related to the Bible or Christian life, but more importantly, you learn how to embody the love of Jesus in relationship with one another. And some weeks you just throw that study right out the window because what's happening in the lives of your group members is far more important. You learn who needs a Bundt cake at 9 PM at night because you get to know each other deeply. You build that foundation of trust and understanding. But here's the thing. We also need to be willing to accept that Bundt cake. Jackie could have easily said, Oh no, no, that's too much trouble. Please don't bother. I'm just going to go hop in the car, go through a drive through but she didn't. She lowered her pride, allowed herself to show weakness, and received what others had to give her. In order to have deep, meaningful friendships that last, we have to be open to receiving the love of others, which means lowering our walls humbling ourselves and admitting, I need other people in my life. I don't want to do this alone anymore. Life is not meant to be lived solo. One of my favorite Jesus stories in the Bible is the story of the group of friends who cared so deeply about their paralyzed friend that they would do anything to get him to Jesus. The story is about how strong their faith in Jesus was. It's about their earnest belief that Jesus could heal their friend, but it's also about the lengths they would go to for their friend. The story goes that Jesus was teaching one day in a crowded house, so crowded that people were blocking every entrance, every window, even gathered out on the front lawn, just trying to catch a glimpse of him and hear his life-changing words. The friends carried their paralyzed friend across town on a stretcher, on a gurney, just hoping that the crowd would scoot over, break apart, make a way for them to get to Jesus so their friend could be healed. But when the crowd didn't move, the friends decided to get creative, and they climbed up onto the roof of the house, and they cut a hole in the roof. They dug their way through that roof, and then when they could see the room below them, And Jesus standing there, they carefully lowered their friend on his stretcher down to the feet of Jesus. Jesus then takes notice of these loyal friends and says to the man, you are healed thanks to the faith of your friends. But here's the thing. What if the paralyzed man refused the help? What if this man said to his friends, now I'm good, not today. That's too much trouble. I don't want to make a scene what if he refused to humble himself in that moment for fear that he would look too weak and needy he wouldn't have been healed and the friends would not have been able to witness the power of jesus that story means so much to me because there was a time in my own life that i felt like i was that guy on the stretcher and that my friends were carrying me to the feet of jesus when i was in seminary in my second year my father became very ill I was flying back and forth from New Jersey to Kentucky and watching my father struggle through the worst months ever towards the end of his life. I was ready to give up on school and drop out. It was just too hard and my faith felt so small. But over and over again, I experienced friends lifting me in prayer, supporting me with meals and study notes and all the things I needed to get through. They drew me in closer to Jesus with their own strong faith when mine was wavering." That's what true Christian community does. That's the kind of friendship we should be striving for, and it begins by accepting the love of others. Maybe you've been let down by people in your life or experienced betrayal that makes it hard for you to trust others. I get it. I don't trust easily either. How do we know when people are truly being genuine? How do we know these are the people we can trust? How do we know we won't get hurt? We don't, and it sucks. Being vulnerable is hard, but if we never take the leap of faith to trust others, we stay stuck to the gurney, paralyzed by fear, too afraid to truly live and be healed through the faith of our friends and the love of Jesus Christ. So how do we begin to let others in when we've built these walls so strong and high to keep others out? How do we begin to brick by brick take down those walls? First, I think it's about learning about our own boundaries. Now, we don't need to right off the bat share our entire life story, ugly hurts and all. We go slow, understanding that walls need gates. In other words, if you have built a wall around yourself as a protective barrier so that you don't get hurt by letting someone get too close or from someone just forcing their way into your life, start by constructing a gate. Imagine a gate in your wall that swings open and shut when and how you choose. You get to choose when to open the gate to let others in. You get to choose who gets in and you always have the right to shut the gate. Strengthening our understanding of healthy boundaries creates room for others to come into our life and really love us, while still allowing us the time and space to feel safe and to heal from our past. Second, learn to accept love a little at a time. Start small. How do you respond when someone compliments you? Do you dismiss them with responses like, oh, it's no big deal, or, well, I really could have done more, or, even that age-old, this old thing? What if instead you responded without any modifiers? What if you practice receiving kind words, taking them in by simply saying, thank you? The thing about church is that it's supposed to be a training ground of sorts for how we live with the rest of the world. Connect groups, create space to allow others into your life and begin experiencing what it's like to accept the love of other Christians. You are not meant to do life alone. God is calling you into relationship with others. You are worthy of friends, friends that will spur you on to greater love and good deeds, encourage you, and carry you to the feet of Jesus when you can't carry yourself. Amen.